Years ago, I preached a sermon where I stated one of our great problems is we are not astonished by God. We're not astonished with God. Now, somehow, crazily, ridiculously, we have lost our astonishment with God, meaning we no longer marvel at his greatness. Now, that seems absurd, but I think that is the truth. I said that then. I believed it. I believe that now as well. I believe we can see that around us today. Well, tonight now, years later, I make another determination, and that is this. Tonight, I will tell you, we are not astonished by the gospel. We are not astonished by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, listen, we will talk about it. Uh, It's on our lips. We'll talk about it. We will tip our hats to it. We might even claim to love it, but I truly believe tonight we have lost our amazement. We have lost our awe at the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, be sure tonight, listen to me. We have an awesome gospel. We have a a deep, miraculous, marvelous gospel. Understand, in this gospel, in the gospel, God's character is known. You want to see the character of God? Look at the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the gospel, God's justice is upheld. He doesn't sit it down, set it down. He upholds it in the gospel. In the gospel, God's grace is given. In this gospel, God's mercy is poured out. In the gospel, God's power is displayed. You want to know how powerful he is? Look at the gospel of Jesus Christ. In our gospel, God's love, it's not just talked about, it's not just mere words, it is walked out, expressed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our gospel is an awesome gospel. In our gospel, the haters of God are loved by God. You know how silly that is, how ridiculous that is? In our gospel, the justly condemned are freely pardoned. In our gospel, those in a debt for sin are redeemed by the sinless. In it, those that have no hope are born, as we saw last night, into a living hope. It is an awesome, awesome, awesome salvation. Let me tell you something. I could go on and on and on. If I were younger, I would try that. But we have an awesome, awesome gospel. I will end by saying this. In our gospel, listen to me, we are saved. In our gospel, we are saved. Praise the Lord. Well, tonight, as Peter encourages those who are suffering, and before he begins to instruct those who are suffering, we're about to take a turn in our study, he gives one more dose of the good news. He is writing to those that are suffering, those that are going through hard things, and he is writing to encourage them, to teach them. Now, he's about to instruct them, this is what you do in hard times, but before he goes there, he gives us and them one more dose of the good news. Our message tonight is entitled, As to This Salvation. As to This Salvation. Tonight, we're in 1 Peter chapter 1, Verses 10, 11, and 12. First Peter chapter 1, tonight verses 10, 11, and 12. As to this salvation. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me 
in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 10, God's word says this. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things which have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. During Father, we come tonight. We're thankful for this day. We're thankful for your love shown to us in this day. We're thankful for your grace made known to us in this day. We're thankful that as we stand here, whatever is going on in our life, that we have seen and been reminded in your word that the best for a believer is still ahead. We praise the Lord for that. Lord, I pray tonight as we have come to, to hear from you that I, I, I pray, Lord, that it would be a tremendous event, that it would be a supernatural event. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us tonight, that you would lead us, that it would be your word that guides us. I pray, Lord, if we have to be corrected, convicted, that your word would do that. And I pray, Lord, that we would leave here closer to you, that we would leave here stirred up, ready to hold high the, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we come and we just praise you tonight. We do worship you. We thank you. We exalt you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, as we start back tonight, Peter's letter is just getting really underway. Uh, so far, he has tried to stir up these people, those that are receiving the letter, who are hurting. We've talked about them, these people who find themselves in deep suffering. He is trying to stir them up first by reminding them of the good news that we hold as followers of Jesus Christ. Now, if you remember, in just a couple of nights, he has told them of a living hope, the living hope we have in Jesus. He has told them of an inheritance not reserved, not just reserved in heaven, but guarded in heaven. He has told them of a coming eternal joy and the great things that are ahead in the final day of redemption. More than that, he has told them, we saw last night, of the joy of having Jesus right now. Now, that's a big thing. Uh, it is not always some distant joy that Christians look to. We do look to a distant joy but we are to have joy right now. We have available to us, no matter the circumstance, joy right now. Now, we saw last night, we have joy right now, first off, because we have Jesus. And that stands. You know what? We have a relationship with Jesus. And so we have joy right now. The second reason is because we have the joy of being saved, what we call the joy of salvation. Now, I'll just tell you, I listen to those things. I listen to the promises of God. I listen to what God says in his word. And I don't know about them. I don't know what they did when they heard this. I don't know about you. I don't know what you do when you hear this. But I want to tell you, when I hear that, I'm encouraged. When I hear that, I'm excited. I'll just tell you tonight, when I hear those things, I am stirred up. Well, the letter is about to turn. 
to instruction. It's going to tell them and then us through them how to live in days of suffering. What, a, what an important thing to know as a follower of Christ, suffering does happen. Suffering is real. Suffering could be expected, should be expected. How do we live in days of suffering? We're going to see that. But for one more episode tonight, Peter reminds them of the good news. Now, I think that's an awesome thing. Uh, before you can get any further in, you ought to know the good news. You ought to be certain of the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I said this a lot, if you remember, in our So Loved series in John, but I want to tell you tonight, in this day again, it needs repeating, and that is this. Listen very carefully. Do not forget, follower of Jesus Christ, there is good news. There's good news. You can watch the news. And you can become overwhelmed. It doesn't take too long. You can watch the news and, and you start to think everything's going down the tube. You can watch the circumstances of life, the troubles of life, and you start to think, well, there'll never be another good day and we're surrounded by bad news. Listen to me. I need you to hear this. There is good news. We have good news. Fact is, Christians, we're a people of good news. And so let us be reminded tonight it's okay to smile. It's okay to be glad. We have good news. There is good news. Now, we're going to look at our verses tonight, these verses. And as we do, we're going to see four things about this good news. Four things about our good news. Now, here's what we're going to see, these four things. We're going to see it was needed good news. We're going to see it was promised good news. We're going to see it was God sent good news. And then we're going to see it is marvelous good news. Those four things, as we look at these three verses, it is needed good news. It is promised good news. It is God sent good news. And it is marvelous good news. And so we're going to start back in our verse tonight, starting back in our study in verse 10. And the first thing we're going to see, it is needed Good news. It is needed good news. Let me read verse 10 to you again. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you make careful searches and inquiries. Verse 10. Now notice this. It starts off and it says, as to this salvation. Now for the, very, the third time in this first chapter, Peter brings up salvation. We saw last night the second time. Now we see the third time. We're not through with the first chapter, but for the third time, Peter brings up salvation. Now, understand, this is a big thing. Understand, what is salvation? Now, I think there's some that painted a distorted version of that, and I think there's some that are misunderstanding that, and for sure with a distorted version, they're misapplying that. But what is salvation? He brings it up again. Salvation means to be saved. To be saved. Now, these aren't my words. This is what God says. We are saved when we trust Jesus Christ. Salvation means to be saved. Now, what does that mean? What are we saved from? If a person is saved by faith in Christ, what does it mean to be saved? What are we saved from? Now, what it means is, and I'm just going to give you a short version we are saved from the judgment of God. We are saved from the penalty of sin. 
The Bible says that is the second death. It means we are saved from the destination of sinners, the reality of hell. Now, let me just say this. That is not a popular subject today. And I don't know, I, I, I listen to sermons sometimes. It is a rare subject today. I don't know that I hear many folks preach on hell, speak on hell, see the biblical truth of hell. But I want to tell you, the truth is, in our sin, we are perishing right now. We are without God right now. We have no hope. And in hell, we remain in that state, in a punitive state. The Bible describes hell several places. It describes it a place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. The Bible presents hell as a literal place, as a real place of punishment. Well, understand tonight, when we are saved, that is what we are saved from. Now, here's where it becomes important if we believe the Bible or not. Well, I don't know if I believe that. I don't think that's a real thing. Well, listen, then you're not too interested in being saved. But when we're saved, the reality is that is what we're saved from. God pays for our sin in the person of Jesus Christ. He redeems us. He saves us. Now get this tonight. Any person having sinned, the Bible says all people have sinned. Any person having sinned needs salvation, needs a Savior, needs a Savior to save them. And so be certain tonight, understand, Peter needed salvation. The Old Testament prophets, we're going to talk about them. They needed salvation. The suffering people that received this letter, hey, they're suffering for the cause of Christ. Guess what? They needed salvation. We today, you and I, need salvation. So Peter starts there tonight. We need good news. The good news is the same as the word as the gospel. We need the gospel because we need salvation. We need salvation. Our only hope is the Savior of the gospel. It is a needed good news. And so the first point is this tonight. It is a needed good news. The second thing we see is this. It is a promised good news. It is a promised good news. Let me read 10 and 11 together. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the suffering of Christ and the glories to follow. Now, I want you to see this. The Old Testament prophets, the Bible says here, we know this, they prophesied of the grace to be made known, the grace that would be extended in Jesus. That's what they were foretelling of. There is the need for a Savior. They are foretelling there will be a Savior, the Messiah, the anointed one of God. God himself will send the Savior, and he will save. Now understand, these individual prophets, their individual messages were pieces of that greater message. And so all of these prophets are telling God is going to send a Savior, God is going to send a Messiah, and they all have a piece 
of the greater message. Isaiah told of Emmanuel who would suffer for those that he would save. Jeremiah tells of the righteous branch. Daniel tells of the ancient of days. Micah tells of one born in the city of David. I could go on and on, but understand they were announcing, they were preaching the good news of a coming Savior. Now here's the crazy nature of God. Before there was a problem, he held the answer. And maybe you want to think about that a little bit tonight. If you're not, if you're not blown away by our gospel, think about that. Before there was a problem, he held the answer. Before people were dashed of their hope, he already was the eternal hope. Before there was sin, there was the word, the remedy for sin. And so the good news is pronounced through these prophets. It is promised through these prophets. You need a Savior. You need salvation. You have no hope outside of that. It is promised through these prophets. Now, here's a strange thing. And there, there are several things that you can think about and marvel at. Here's, here's a strange thing. They were foretelling of the Savior. They were foretelling of the hope, the answer. They were foretelling of the Messiah. In fact, their faith was in that Savior. Their faith was in that Messiah, that hope. But they didn't know his name, Jesus. They didn't know when he would show up. They didn't know the exact circumstances of what he would do. Now, they had pieces of the promise. They were speaking through God the pieces of the promise but they didn't know the exact circumstances of that promise. And so the Bible says here, they are looking, they are digging, they're making these careful searches, they're asking all the questions, trying to figure it out. Matthew chapter 13, verses 16 and 17 says this, but blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear, verse 17. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Now I want you to think about that. Think about Isaiah. And I, I think about some of these guys and what, what they must have gone through. They're just people. They're men. Now what, what, what was it like to be Isaiah? He could say, I know of one who's the Prince of Peace, Emmanuel. I know of one who will come and the world will esteem him not. The world will cause him to suffer. He can say he knows that. He can say, I know there is one coming and by his stripes we are healed. The many are healed through his stripes. He trusted that. He was saved by placing his faith in that one. But you know what? The specifics of that, he didn't know him. Not like that. He wanted to. He, he wanted to see him. He wanted to touch him. He wanted to look upon his Savior. And so he gets out the scrolls and he begins to dig into them. He begins to read through them. Maybe this will be the year. Oh, we need a Savior. Maybe this will be the year. Oh, we're hopeless. Look at the, the sinfulness of our age. Maybe this will be the one. In that he says, oh, God, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down. Isaiah 64 
Oh, he wanted to know his Savior, to see his Savior. It was a needed good news. It was a promised good news. The third thing is this. It was and is God sent good news. It was and is God sent good news. Let me read verses 11 and 12 together. Seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he, the Spirit of Christ, predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things which have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Now I want you to see this. In a world that is torn apart by sin, in a world that is darkened by evilness and wickedness, to a people that are hurting and suffering, God sends good news. That's a tremendous statement. To people that are suffering, God sends good news. Verse 11 says, these prophets were led and prophesied according to the Spirit of Christ within them. It's talking about the Holy Spirit of God. He's sometimes called the Spirit of Christ. He's sometimes called the Spirit of God. It is the Holy Spirit of God. So understand tonight, it wasn't their word. It wasn't their information. It was the message of God. Tonight, be very clear the message of Christ, the message of salvation, the gospel is the word of God. It's not the word of man. It's not the musings of philosophers. It's not a system of religion. Listen, the message of Christ, the message of salvation, it starts in Genesis 1-1, runs all the way to Revelation 22, verse 21. The message of Christ, it is the word of God. How awesome. God is gracious in sending salvation. How awesome. He is also, listen to me, gracious in sending the gospel, the message of salvation. Do you understand what a blessing that is? You're not out toiling somewhere without good news. He has sent good news, the person of Jesus Christ, but in his grace he has also sent the message of salvation, the gospel of of Jesus Christ. In verse 12, notice, it is an interesting thing. God reveals to these prophets that the message is not for them. Now, I wonder what they thought about that. I wonder how they took that. But he reveals to them, this message that you're prophesying is not for you, but it is for those coming later. It is for those on the other side of the cross those on the other side of the events of the gospel. The word gospel shows up. Think about that. Think about this tonight. How would we know our need for a Savior? How would we know? How will we know our Savior? How will we know how to recognize our Savior? How will we know what to do with our Savior? He dies as a sacrifice for sin. How do we even know what that means? Go and tell somebody that. What does that even mean? 
Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. How do we understand that? Why would we know that is necessary? Listen to me. It is because these Old Testament prophets, led by God, foretold the plan and the promise of God so that we might know. So that we might know. I, I read that. I think about that. Do you know this? God always wanted us to know. God doesn't want us to be uninformed. God wants us to possess the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so how will we know Jesus? How will we recognize Jesus? How will we know the need for Jesus? How will we know what to do with Jesus? Through them, he foretells the plan and the promise of Jesus. Now, this is pretty awesome. At the end of verse 12, see this. The apostles then come, those that preach the gospel now, they also come, it also says, led by God, the Holy Spirit. And they, here's what they do. They match the promise of the gospel with the fulfillment of the gospel. What do the apostles do? They match the promise of the good news with the fulfillment of the good news, and they testify both the promise and the fulfillment are, are Jesus, is Jesus. I want to tell you, that's awesome. That's awesome. What do the apostles come and do? They say all the prophecies of old are fulfilled in Jesus. The promise of a Savior of, of the forgiveness of sin, they happen in Jesus. The promise and the fulfillment, both of them are in the same person, the person of Jesus. Now that's awesome. That's tremendous. Years ago, time goes pretty fast. Years ago, we were passing out New Testaments. That's a good thing. We were passing out New Testaments. Go door to door to door, pass out New Testaments. One day in that process, I visited with the man. That man has passed away. Um, he was lost. He would probably tell you that. He invited me into his house. I knew his kids. I knew his family. He invited me into his house uh, he was a truck driver. He wasn't home very often. He was home on this evening. And we began to talk. And he began to say, well, this is how I grew up, and this is what my family was like. Uh, he began to tell me he really never went to church, doesn't really know the gospel, doesn't understand it. And I asked him in the process, do you have a Bible? And here's this man. He said this. I don't know. And I thought, well, that's kind of odd. I don't, I don't know. He said, I don't know. I, I don't know if I have a Bible. I think I have a half of one. And what he had was the New Testament. I think I got a half of one. And he, what he had was the New Testament. He pulled out that New Testament. We talked for a while. I explained the good news of our Savior Jesus best I could. Uh, the, for, the, for the best part I know, he never accepted Jesus Christ. I remember I stayed there about 45 minutes. He never accepted Christ. A few years later, he wasn't that old, but man, a few years later, he had a heart attack, and unexpectedly, he passed away. I don't know if he ever received Christ. But I thought about that, and I thought about that that night, and I thought about it other times after that, and I thought about what he said, and he was right. He only had half of the message of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you the truth is, friends, and we need to be sure of this, Moses as well as Mark, and Isaiah as well as Peter, Elisha as well as Paul, Amos as well as Matthew, Jonah 
as well as John, were all preaching Jesus. It's not a whole bunch of different messages. It's not a whole bunch of different stories. Listen, they were preaching Jesus. There is going to be a Savior. Our only hope is in a Savior. He's going to be the Messiah, the anointed one of God. He's going to be born in this town. He's going to be from the seed of David. He's going to be in the lineage of Abraham. He will be the Savior. He will be the Lamb of God. And over here they're preaching in Jesus. We have one in the line of David, in the lineage of Abraham, the one that died for sin, the Lamb of God. And they connect in the person of Jesus. They were all preaching Jesus. And the message of both is sent by God. So listen, that we might know the prophets, the apostles, and now in Christ is what Hebrews says, is that we might know and that we might believe. So the third thing, it is the God sent good news. That brings us to the last thing tonight, and that is this. It is marvelous good news. It is marvelous good news. Peter ends this section under the inspiration of God with a weird statement. He talks about that gospel. He talks about its proclamation to the prophets. He talks about the proclamation of its fulfillment in the apostles. And then he ends with this weird statement and he says this, things into which angels Long to look. Now, here's what I want you to picture. We're about to wrap this up. Here's what I want you to picture. Our gospel, good news, is so awesome. It is so overwhelming. It is so unreal, radical, crazy. Our gospel is so marvelous that the Bible says, God tells us, even the angels are peering in, watching to see it unfold. Oh, they're longing to see how this gospel would unfold. And you have to think about that for a second. Angels are smart. Angels are serving God. Angels have roles. Some of them we know, some of them we do not know. But here's the truth. Angels are not all-knowing. They don't know everything. They're not God. And angels cannot be saved. The gospel does not apply to angels. And so I want you to think about that for a second. It doesn't apply to them. They're not going to be saved by this gospel. And yet the gospel to them is so marvelous, is so astounding. I don't know. I try to picture it. I don't know if they're looking over the shoulder of God, or I don't know if they're peering over the edge of glory but they're watching to see how this gospel unfolds. And can you imagine that for just a second? Here are these angels, and they watch creation. And they marvel at creation. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? They can't fathom that, the beauty of that, the wisdom of that. And they watch that, and they see the hallmark of that man. And they see the creation of the man, and this man sits up, and he takes a breath, and he's not like them, but he has a new fellowship with God. And he watches as these people not like them can now walk with God in the cool of the day. And they watch, they peer into that. They watch there in that, in that garden, there's a tree, a, a choice. And they watch as man chooses to sin. I wonder what they think about that. Why would you do that? We don't understand that. They watch 
They watch the fall as it happens. They watch the result as it spreads. They watch as the man and his wife are put out of the garden. And I wonder what they think about that. They have to marvel at that. Why would they have done that? They watch strife as it begins to unfold. And they see Cain kill Abel. Why would brothers do that? Created in the image of God. Why would they do that? And they watch people run to wickedness. They watch people run to sin, and they they have to wonder at that. They're watching that. They watch as God picks a people, and they watch as God makes a promise. And through this man, the man of faith, there is going to be a blessing for all people, and there will be a promised land. And he watches. They watch as the promise unfolds. I wonder if they think you can't trust them. Don't trust them, Lord. You can't trust those folks. They watch. God sends his word. And I wonder when Moses comes down the mountain and he's carrying those tablets, I wonder if they try to peer and say, what does that say? What does that say? I can't see that. Can you see what it says? What does that say? And they see the word of God come down to man. They watch this history as it unfolds. God works and God speaks, but for some reason people continue to run to sin and it's a cycle of up and downs of repentance and return. And I wonder if they say, why is God so patient? I don't understand that. Why is he so patient? Then they watch the actual events of the gospel unfold. And they are sent to deliver the messages And do not fear, born for you is a Savior. And they come and sing the Savior, knowing that Savior. They shout, glory to God in the highest, glory to God in the highest. Don't you think they have to marvel? Don't you think they have to wonder, what is going on here? They watch as Jesus lives, first as a boy. That's our king. We know him. What's he doing? What's going on here? How strange is this? Why would this take place? They watch. They watch the events. They watch Passover celebrations. They watch many of those lambs that are sacrificed. They peer down. What strange this is this? What good is this? What what gospel is this? They marvel at it. What is this? And then they watch a particular Passover celebration. And they watch as Jesus, now a man, goes to the cross. And they peer over the edge of glory and they hear the echoes, crucify him, crucify him. And they have to wonder, why? Why would you crucify him? Crucify him. They hear, oh, I never should have trusted him. Oh, why would you entrust yourself to them? They don't understand. They watch as Jesus dies. What do the angels in heaven do? Just send us, Lord. Just send us, Lord. We'll take him off of there. Just send us, Lord. They watch as Jesus dies. He dies? How does that make any sense? What good news is this they watch? Three days later, I don't know how silent it could be in glory. Two of them are dispatched. One for the foot and one for the head. There they announced the greatest message ever declared. He is not here for he has risen. Don't you know they look in and they wonder, I don't know, I don't know about this. For these people, sinners, people that reject you, they are the ones that killed you. 
they peer in. Is God really this patient? Is he really this loving? Is he? We see this. They watch. Soon after that, as Jesus ascends to heaven, another one has another message. Why do you stand peering into the sky? They watch as Jesus comes back. Holes in his hands. They watch as he comes back and he sits down on the throne. Jesus is home. Our king is home. They watch. Friends, I want you to hear me tonight. Listen to me. That is our gospel. That is our gospel. When we preach the gospel, that's what we're preaching. It was needed by all. It was promised by God. It was foretold of by the prophets. It was fulfilled in Jesus. It was preached by the apostles. It is the power of God unto salvation. And by it we are saved. What a gospel. What an astonishing gospel. What an amazing gospel. That is our gospel. And so Peter, to people that are hurting, Peter, to people that are suffering, says this, as to this salvation. What a salvation. What a Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come and we marvel. Lord, I am sorry that we become flippant, cold, and careless with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us. Lord, help us when anything competes with that. Lord, help us when we put our eyes on anything but that. Lord, forgive us. Lord, we come tonight, and I just tell you, I'm thankful that for a sinner such as I, somebody that would turn against you, someone that would rebel against you, someone that would rather march in their own sin instead of walking in obedience for a sinner such as I, you love me, and you love us so much, you send your only begotten Son, that by faith in Him we are saved from the wrath of God, saved from the penalty for sin, saved from the reality of hell and set in the righteousness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I praise you for that. I thank you for that. I pray two things, Lord. I pray if there's somebody listening tonight that doesn't know you, I pray in the hearing of the gospel that this very night they might turn to you. I pray that any hindrance to that would be removed. I pray that they would clearly hear there's good news tonight. Lord, may they respond in faith and may it point to you and to your glory, to your kindness, to your greatness. And Lord, I pray for the rest of us here who've trusted you. I pray in the short glance at the great gospel of our salvation, Lord, that we've been encouraged, that we've been stirred up, that we've been moved, and that we have hope, and that we have joy, and that we have a message to preach, to proclaim. Help us in that. Lord, we tell you tonight we love you, we praise you and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close tonight with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you, as I say every time, it truly is the most important time of our service, a time to respond to the truth of God's preached word, his word. If you're here and you've never trusted Christ, listen to me, friend. If you will turn to him, trusting him as the Savior for your sin, he will save you right now. 
You don't need a whole list of things to check off. You don't have to impress anybody. Listen, if you'll turn to Jesus right now, he'll save you right now. He'll forgive you, restore you, redeem you, give you his own robe of righteousness if you'll trust him right now. If you've never done that, do it tonight. If you have questions about that, you come. Let's settle that tonight. Maybe you're here and you've trusted in Christ, but you've never fought in believer's baptism. And I want to give you an opportunity to come and say, you know what? I know Christ. I trust Christ. But I've never fought in that in obedience to Christ. And I want that testimony to stand. You come as well. It'll be a great day of celebration. The Bible says it's always after we're saved, not before we're saved, not as part of our salvation. It's always after we're saved as a testimony to what we believe of Jesus Christ. If that's you tonight, you come. Let's set a date. It'll be a great day of celebration. Maybe you're here looking for a church home. You've prayed about it. I believe God has led you here. You come, and together we'll serve his name, his mission, preaching his gospel till he comes again. Maybe you're here and you're going through tough stuff, hard stuff. Maybe stuff you don't even want to talk about. But I want to tell you, God knows, God sees, and he cares. He tells us, for us, no matter the dire circumstance, the best is still ahead. Maybe you want to come pray at an altar. Maybe you want to pray with me. Maybe you want to pray where you're at. God hears. God knows. Nothing is too big and nothing is too small. I'm going to ask that no one would stir around during this time, head for an exit, but that you pray for those that are making decisions. As we stand and sing, if God has spoken to you, if you have a decision to make, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here.